Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark, and uh, this is E3, and we are in the final uh, stretches of Pathways. This is the sixth week um, as our Sunday experience in learning and, uh, together comes to a close. Uh, throughout the past five weeks, we've been really looking at the Great Commandment where Jesus said, uh, that the most important thing in life is to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength. And he also said equally as important is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And uh, today we're going to be looking at what does it actually mean to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love others uh, as ourselves, and try to wrestle with that and what that looks like. Uh, the reality is, though, as we've been looking and we've been at this uh, kind of commandment, we've been talking about different aspects of it each week, but it is imperative that we look at it really as a whole because each one is inter-reliant on one another and to help communicate that point. Uh, I brought this uh, Celtic knot uh, just to kind of illustrate that, where in this Celtic knot, there's no beginning, no end. They're all interreliant on one another, and I used different strands. The, the red one was to represent our heart, loving God with all our emotions. The yellow one was soul, uh, loving God with our spirit and soul. The blue one was our mind, all our intellect, all our understanding. The green one uh, that we talked about last week was loving God with all our strength and physical being. And then today, the orange one, loving others as ourselves. And as we can look at that, you know, there are different sections of this uh, Celtic knot, but each, uh, all the sections are interreliant on one another. And that's kind of the image that we've been looking at. Now, Today, uh, at the beginning of, the, of this series, as the beginning of this journey, I, I asked each one of us to write down, you know, what, what aspects of, of loving God or what aspects of the great commandment came naturally to us that it was something that we, we did and had easy, easier time just kind of living out. And then I also asked you to identify where was it? Where was the most? What was the most challenging one? And uh, just to let you know, this is the one that was the most challenging for me: loving others as myself. And uh, it, it, it's a it's a it's a tall order. And I don't know if that's the one that that you wrote down, but but it can be really difficult if you if you really. Think about that and what that actually means. Loving your neighbor as yourself, loving others as yourself. Uh, in my, uh, I journal and in my journal, I, I tried to work that out. And I just I wanted to read to you what I, what I wrote in my journal about, about loving myself. Loving myself when, when I am hungry... I feed myself. When I am cold, I get a jacket. When I am bored, I find entertainment. When my clothes are old, my wife gets me new ones. 
When my car breaks, I get it fixed. When I am sick, I go to a doctor. When I am lonely, I seek companionship. When I am thirsty, I get a drink. And when I want or need something, I will sacrifice for it. And then I overlaid that with with Jesus' command to love my neighbor as myself, to love others as myself. And now this list, which was true for my love for myself, if, if, if sacrifice is the tangible evidence of love, so obviously if I do these things that, that, and, and supply those needs to myself, that I, I, I love myself and I'll sacrifice for myself. I looked at it and I'm, is it really true when others are hungry, I, I, I feed them? When they're cold, do I get them a jacket? When they're bored, do I find them entertainment? Do I entertain them? When their clothes are old, do I make sure that they get new ones? When their car breaks, do I make sure it gets fixed? When they're sick, do I help them get to a doctor? When they're lonely, do I give them companionship? When they're thirsty, do I give them a drink? And if they are in need or, or want something, would I personally sacrifice to make sure that need or, or want would, would be fulfilled? And again, this is, this is just my personal journey, and, and that's just what, I, what came to mind in, in my, my journal. And, and really looking at this, this is a real problem area in in my life, and uh, this is something that I was telling my growth group that, you know what, I, I do out of obedience, usually more out uh, than just like, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go do this because, because I want to, and I have to believe that I'm not alone in that area. In fact, I was wondering, you know, if you look at kind of scripture and you kind of look at that and like what God reminds uh, or, uh, reminds us to do and tells us what to do and things like that, it, in the Bible, he reminds us to love him and love Jesus and love Christ and things like that. Uh, again and again, actually, I found over a hundred times. He also tells us to love the church, love the church as Christ loved the church and to love and sacrifice for the church. He reminds us nine times to love others. He also reminds us to love our spouses and then also to love our children. But you know what? He never, ever, ever reminds us. There's not, that I could find, not one scripture, not one verse that tells us to love ourselves. And not that we shouldn't love ourselves. I just don't think that we need to be reminded. We're very good at it. That there's not many of us here that, that have any hardship of sacrificing. Again, if sacrifice, if you agree with the premise that sacrifice is the tangible expression of love, that not many of us need a whole lot of help in the sacrificing for our own well-being department. I mean, if it did, 
Maybe the verse would say, love yourself as your neighbor. Boy, wouldn't that be funny? Live that out. Because, you know what, if I love myself as I love my neighbor, I'd be, I'd be skinny, naked, dirty guy. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'd be thirsty. I, 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 it, would, it wouldn't be pretty. I don't need to be reminded uh, of that. What I do need to be reminded, and, and Scripture does, is i got to be reminded to love God and to, to love His church and to love others and to love my wife and, no offense, and uh, to love my children and, and things like that. That, that. that is what God holds in front of us and says, this is if you are a follower of me, these are the things that you do, that you love, and by in the expression of love, you sacrifice for these things. And just as we look at this, this kind of this idea of, of, you know what, okay, you know what, I'm meant to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength, and, and for me, that concept comes a lot more natural and easy than the other side of this and it, and it and it's hard for me to to intellectualize and grasp onto the equal part. I don't know if you struggle with that as well. Like how could it possibly mean equal? Loving others equally as we love the creator of the universe, our creator, the God who sacrificed for us and, and all this love. And, and, and maybe it was a mistake. Maybe that's one of those, those things in the translation that it wasn't meant to be equal, but maybe it was meant to be like 1%. As much as you love God, 1% you should love others or, or something like that. Maybe, maybe it was drotted down wrong. Maybe there was a smudge. I mean, I, I've toyed and, and around with the idea of having a series called Things I Wish Were Not in the Bible. And this would definitely be probably the first one. Because the whole idea of having to love others, that this is equally as important to God as how I love Him, is just really one of these really, really tough and uncomfortable things that we as followers of Christ need to do. And, and as I looked at that and, and tried to figure that out, I'm like, all right, what does this really mean? Is the equal a, a mistake that man made? Did they hear God wrong on it? Is there any other scriptural evidence, you know, in the Bible that, that talks about this? And, you know, as you read the Bible, I mean, it's, it's, it's filled of, of expressions of, of how God has called us to, to be concerned for others, and not only concerned for others just because they are fellow humans, but even ratchets it up even more. In fact, if you look in Matthew 25, that, that Jesus is really talking about, you know what, how we treat, how we love others is a direct reflection of how 
what our worship is of him. And just an excerpt of, of that in verse 35, Jesus says this. He says, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you. Listen to this next part. The king said, I assure you. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. That how we love, how we sacrifice our time, our money, our energy, our these things, when we do for others, that we're not technically doing it for others, but we are technically doing these things as an expression of who we are in Jesus Christ. And we are technically doing it for God as an act of worship. Now, if you're like me, we can find all sorts of reasons why why we shouldn't do these things or or why it's not important for us to do these things. And one thing that I've kind of noticed that we at the church have been very good at intellectualizing it and and think, you know what? I just need a little more information. Maybe my theology and doctrine isn't right yet. Maybe 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 we need to study more doctrine and more theology and, and, and get that right. And you know what? That sounds right, doesn't it? It sounds good that we need to study the Bible and perfect our theology and our doctrine and, and, and make sure that our knowledge is all great. There's just one problem with that. That's not what the Bible says to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the pursuit of scriptural knowledge and doctrine and theology is a, is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But that is not the ultimate calling for us. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote this, chapter 8, verse 1. You think that everyone should agree with your perfect knowledge. You think that everyone should agree with your perfect knowledge. He's talking here about doctrine and theology. In fact, this has become such a pursuit that the reality of it is, and I'm not against denominations, I think they're, they're a good thing and, and, and things like that, but the reality is there's so many denominations is because 
we feel that everyone should agree with what we perceive as perfect theology and doctrine. If somebody doesn't agree with that perfect theology and doctrine, we split and start another church or another denomination. And he goes on, he says, while knowledge makes us feel important, it does. I like it when somebody comes and asks me a biblical question and I actually know the answer to it. It makes me feel important that somebody would come to me. Maybe you're the same way, that, that, that if somebody comes to you and, and you know the answer, it makes you feel important, it makes you feel good. But then he continues and says this, it is love that really builds up the church. It's love. It's sacrificing for one another. It's loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's not having perfect doctrine and theology that builds up the church, although those things are important. But it is the love factor. It is having a tangible expression of God's love to the least of these things, the least of these, that builds the church. I have a quote from an excerpt of a, a book I read recently um, by Kenneth Bacon. Great last name, by the way. He wrote this, and those of you who are uh, friends with me on, on Facebook, you may have read this already. I posted it earlier on. Our experience with God is ultimately the experience of love. A love that leads from brokenness to wholeness. We love God by loving our neighbor. And we love our neighbor by doing justice. We move from domination to servanthood, from selfishness to sacrifice, from violence to peace, from oppression to liberation, from darkness to the light of the world. That we are to be an expression of love. That when we do that, we identify with the very nature of God. That when we love others as ourselves, that 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 shows that you have the lineage of the King Most High, that you are of His heritage. I don't know if you've ever heard this in your family, kind of the family expectations, you know, and like in our household, you know, we say like, McNeese's say please and thank you. That, that McNeese's are on time or, or, or we tell our children, you know, this is something that the McNeese family does. That is part of being part of our family. It's part of having the last name McNeese is, is we do these certain things. Well, you know what? The same is true with our King, our Father in Heaven, that there's just things that we do 
It's part of having the last name of God, which is something. I don't want to show you. God, creator of the universe. Something like that. That, you know what? It's Paula, daughter of the king of the universe, that there's parts of, of just being a princess, part of being a prince of the king. It's part of carrying the family name, our heritage in what we do. In 1 John chapter 4, we're, we're told that this is true. John says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves, anyone who sacrifices for others is born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. The very nature of God is love. And when we love, which is the opposite of being selfish and self-serving, when we sacrifice, when we love others, we are showing that we are princesses and princes. We identify that we are part of the lineage. We are part of the heritage of the creator of the universe. This is what this family does. And God showed us this love. How? By seeking us out and sacrificing for us. Well, how did he seek us out? You know what? When we turned our backs on God, that the relationship with us was so important to him. This makes Christianity different from any other religion. This is why Christianity is not meant to be a religion. It's meant to be a relationship. Is because we are not expected to come to God. In fact, the whole idea of it is that we do not have the ability to come to God. And the great thing is, is God... Our God is the only one who sought us out because we didn't have the ability that he did everything to reestablish this relationship because he loved us. How? Well, Mark, you said sacrifice is the tangible expression of love. How did he sacrifice? You know what? In a relationship, a relationship is community. Relationship is a bond. And all of us know when we are in sync with someone, when our relationship is, is tight, and it, it has more value than anything. And when that relationship is severed, that, that there is pain and there's hurt and there's anxiety, we know all this to be true because every single one of us has experienced it. But the truth is, none of us know what a perfect relationship is because we live in a fallen and broken world. But God does. God for eternity has been in perfect fellowship 
The Bible tells us with God, the Godhead, God, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Perfect fellowship. And God loved us so much. God loved us that he was willing to sacrifice perfection, a perfect relationship. To break apart the Trinity for a time and to send Jesus Christ here to the world. And you know what? If that sacrifice wasn't enough, because Jesus was still in communication with God and he still had his presence and he still was God, what's the big deal about the cross? The big deal is when Jesus took on the sins of the world, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason he is crying that out was he was completely alone for the first time in eternity. He was separated. We think we have separation anxiety? Think about We need an example of love that's tangibly expressed in sacrifice. We all know that there is nothing more important in life than our relationships. There is not one person in this room who would trade their family and their friends for a $10 million home and a yacht and all this that they had to spend eternity in or their lifetime alone with no one to share it with. That would be called hell, and we all know it. We don't act like that sometimes, but that is the truth of the matter. And in verse 11, he continues, says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love has been brought to us, brought to full expression through us. This is the idea that God's love, God's sacrifice, that we have been called to be the expression of, of the very love and power of God. We're meant to be chips off the old block. Eric sings a song. He says, you pick me up and you say that you look like me. And even though it doesn't make any sense because we don't see ourselves that way, but that is the reality that we are to be the very expression of God, the very expression of love on this earth. And you might be sitting there going, it is impossible. And I'd say, you know what, humanly speaking, it is impossible. It is absolutely impossible. We need supernatural intervention into our lives. Because no one needs to teach us how to be selfish. Those of you who are parents have never taught your kids. At least we wouldn't admit to teaching our kids how to be selfish. 
It's part of our fallen nature. It's about as far from God as you can possibly come. But the great thing is, is we have the Spirit of God in us. And this is the very Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. In verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. All who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God has God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us by his sacrifice, and we have put our trust in him. And what we need to have is confidence going into this confidence, not in our own abilities, not in our own ways, in our own patterns, in our own methodologies, but confidence that we have the very spirit of God indwelling in us. We're told that God continues on in verse 17. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And this is the great part. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Here God's saying, you know what? You don't have to be perfect right out of the gun. That you know what? This is one of these things, as you live in me, as you live in me, and you learn that I am trustworthy, as you sacrifice and you allow my spirit to rule in your life, and you show others love, that you will find me to be faithful, and you will have more confidence, and my love will be perfected in you. But what we need to do is take that first step. And he goes on and says, So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. Anybody there yet? Anybody like Christ here in this world? I mean, it's not expected yet. But as we grow up, and you know what? Some of us are getting old. When we get older and and we do something, we go, oh my gosh, I'm becoming my mother or I'm becoming my father or something like that. Well, you know what? In a spiritual sense, that's a good thing because that is God's love being perfected in us us. And then he goes on to remind us one more time, unless we were just a little bit confused about the whole, is loving others equal to loving him? He goes on in verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of judgment. And this shows that his love has not been perfected in us. We love each other as a result of Him loving us first. What we're being told here is if we are experiencing fear, if we're afraid to sacrifice and love others, that, that's just evidence to us that, you know what? 
God is still working in our lives. If we're afraid to sign up and take a step of of tangibly loving others, you know, sign up uh, to go to Frenchtown this Saturday and, and spend an hour or two or three just loving others in a tangible way. If that, that's a, it's a place of fear and a place that we just don't want to be, then, then we can say, you know what, that fear, that fear that maybe there's, I'm not going to have enough time or I'm not going to have enough money or not gonna, I'm not going to be safe or, or something like that. Maybe, not maybe, God tells us that that fear is not from him, that that is evidence in our own lives that, you know what, God's still working there. And we have to take a step out and say, you know what, God, I trust you with this. The same is true with all acts of supernatural sacrifice, from supporting missionaries to to supporting, you know, a giving of your first fruits to your local church, to serving, to all of these kinds of different things. That we all have fear, and that fear just shows us that we need, we still don't believe God, that the love hasn't been perfected yet. But we can't just leave it there because we have to live in His love. And as we live in His love, it will continue to be perfected in us. And then he ends with this. If someone says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we have not seen? And God himself has commanded that we must not only love him, but our Christian brothers and sisters. There is so much clarity in Scripture. That the very nature of God is love. The tangible expression of love is sacrifice. And for us to show that we truly belong to the King our Father in heaven, that we truly are princesses and princes. The thing that this royal family does that's different from the rest of the world is we display our love and we are the expression of that love through our sacrifice in this lost and hurting. You guys pray with me. Dear God, so many times we just uh, look at Scripture and we're just like, oh God, I'm not there yet. But God, we thank You that You continue to perfect us in Your love and that this is a journey and a process and a relationship. And God, I just pray for myself and pray for our community that you will continue to perfect us in your love and that we will be an expression of your love in a lost and hurting world. God, as we listen to this song that Libby's about to sing,
based on Matthew 25, just about how loving others is loving you. Just penetrate deep in our hearts and expel the fear that we may have. And let us lay claim to the reality that we have your spirit, your supernatural power living within us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow.